Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here, including this podcast, is to make disciples by reaching people, teaching people, and training people all for Jesus. Well, Life Group Leaders, we have continued in the series, Jesus is Greater, and the title of this specific sermon is, Then All Your Excuses. And we read this from Matthew 8, verses 18 through 22, and here's what it reads. And when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. The preaching point of this text was that a genuine relationship with Jesus includes a readiness to forsake worldly comforts and even close family relationships to follow him. And the three points attached to that preaching point is this. The number one, we need to take our orders from Jesus. I think if you're leading your life group this week, uh, the question number two and the application question uh, coincides with this point. When we're going to read 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 and Luke 9, 23, which Luke, or 2 Timothy 2 through through 4 talks to us about, you know, the fact that we have uh, a, a, a commander to please, one who has enlisted us to this work, and we don't get ourselves busy with thinking about civilian pursuits because our aim is to please the one who enlisted us. And then Luke 9, 23 is that text that we looked at already on Sunday. Uh, actually, it's a, it's a different text. Let me look at that. Uh, Luke 9.23, we looked at Luke 14. Luke 9.23 tells us that if anyone would come after Christ, he needs to deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Right? We see that... Uh, we even see that again in Matthew 10, where, where Jesus is recorded saying, this is what it means to be a disciple. This is what it means to follow Christ. And so when you're leading in your life group uh, this week, uh, really help your group think through what it means to take our orders from Christ. I mean, what are the implications of that? And the question is, is how can you make sure you're taking orders from Jesus and not your own preferences and feelings? Uh, really tease that out with your group. Help them recognize uh, the symptoms and the temptations and, and what it may look like to utilize preferences and feelings uh, over the commands of Christ. The second question, the second point is come to grips with his expectations for you. I do think at a basic level, most of us understand that God does have expectations for us. I do think uh, in many of our churches and, and, and sin teaching that we normally hear, I think even a lot of that is implicit, but I don't think it's expressed too often verbally that God has expectations for you. Christ has expectations for you. And uh, we see that even when we think of the onset of discipleship, but even that idea of a disciple is one who is being taught and the one who's being commanded to, uh, to do things, to follow his instructor. And, uh, so I, I think that's going to be a, a really wonderful place for you as a life group leader to sit with your life group this week. 
uh, and you really get two questions that are going to help uh, kind of tease this point out in your application questions. The first one is Matthew eight eighteen through twenty two, and which is our text. And it, the question on number three is: Like the scribe and disciple, what are some wrong ways of thinking about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our day? I mean, there's a lot of wrong ways to think about what it means to follow Jesus. And so, what I want you to do is kind of help your group think about: Well, what are some examples of wrong ways to think about? Uh, what it means to follow Jesus and give examples. You know, obviously following Jesus doesn't mean I say that I follow him, but then I do what I want. I mean, that's a really good example, but but tease that out and get into the depths of just some wrong ways to think about it. I mean, easy believism is a, is, is one of those that we would argue that like the free grace movement is one of those good examples of saying, I don't believe that's the right way to think about what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, that, that the idea of being regenerate does not just include a one-time confession of salvation, but a lifelong commitment to following Jesus, Uh, and and so on and so on. It'd be good for you guys to begin thinking in your group uh, out loud about what what are some wrong ways to think about following Jesus. And then you have question number four, which is the uh, a really direct uh, takeaway from point number two, when it says to read Luke fourteen twenty five through thirty three, and it says, "What are some of Jesus's expectation for his followers?" There in that Luke text, it's going to say, "You know, you, this is what it looks like to follow me." Someone who's not willing to do blank is not worthy of following me. Someone who's not willing to do this, and so somebody who is willing to follow me must do this and must do this. I mean, those are just some expectations in that text. Uh, and you can probably add some more into that as well. And then 4A, that, that second question there is, what are some of the verses that you think of that can help you understand what Jesus expects for you? And this is where I want you to to pull some verses out of uh, some of the other uh, members of your life group and ask them to say, hey, what are some verses that have helped you understand what does Jesus expect from you in your life? And then I want you to apply those verses with that 4B question that says, how might these expectations alter your decision-making this week? I mean, really get down to the the nuts and bolts of what it looks like for your group to use the Word of God, to apply it to their life, and, and think about how the commands of Christ will alter the way we decide to do something or not do something this week. And so really help your group Think about the application of point number two. And then the last point is don't validate your excuses. We spent a lot of time with this in the sermon uh, of just helping our groups realize that it is actually patently wrong to validate our excuses, to use an excuse to determine why we're not going to do something uh, that we know we ought to do. And so... Uh, for that, we have application question number five, which says to read Luke nine fifty seven through 62. And the question is, is what excuses have you used to validate your decision not to follow one of God's commands? Now, what I think may be helpful here is if you would be willing to be one of the first to speak up here and just use uh, an example in your life about how you have 
validated at some time in your life a decision not to follow one of God's commands, whether it be conflict in your family, whether it be, I don't know, even giving of your offerings financially, or, you know, you knew you should have been in community and and you just didn't. I mean, something like that. Maybe some of you put off baptism because you were validating why you should. I mean, utilize as as a life group leader, kind of step out front and utilize one of your personal examples uh, because if not, people are going to be a little uh, a little nervous or a little ashamed to speak up. And so kind of help them see like, hey, this is something we've all dealt with, but it is also something we all need to deal with. And so that follow-up question from question number five and A is, uh, how can you employ some of the application from this week's sermon to make sure you are ready to follow Jesus at any cost? It's super uh, self-explanatory question there for you life group leaders. Uh, but I really think that these questions are very applicational, so I trust that you're going to have a uh, a great conversation, a great uh, dialogue this week with your life groups. Uh, something I didn't talk about in the sermon that is just worth bringing up with you guys a little bit, not because you're probably going to have to actually talk about it uh, in your group, uh, but because I think uh, it's just a cool thing to know. And I kind of mentioned, briefly mentioned at least a piece of it in the sermon, and that is uh, Jesus uh, says in verse 20 that the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And that Son of Man is the number one way that Jesus describes himself. So in all of the texts that you read uh, in the Gospels, uh, we see there uh, that Jesus calls himself Son of Man more than he calls himself anything else. And uh, that's important uh, because of what the implications are for that. And so I I bring that up here because it's the first place in Matthew that we see the term son of man. Now, I've read a lot of commentaries on it, which again, you can understand at least the basic reason why on this side of the resurrection that he called himself the son of man because of Daniel 7. And Daniel 7 shares uh, the vision Uh, that Daniel saw in chapter 7, starting verse 13. He says, I saw in the night vision, behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Uh, And the wonderful picture here. Uh, is that this is actually illustrated again uh, in Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 14. It says almost these exact same words, and it's that same picture, that what Daniel saw is the same thing that the Apostle John sees in Revelation 14. And Jesus calls himself, I'm the fulfillment, I'm the Son of Man that will be presented before the Ancient of Days, and glory and dominion will be given to me over all kingdoms and all peoples. And so... The interesting thing is when you read the commentaries about the term son of man, uh, it wasn't necessarily a messianic title. And so when Jesus used this, it wasn't like Jesus calling himself the Messiah, which has a lot of political uh, implications attached to it. He's calling himself the son of man. And a lot of commentators uh, will say that one of the the reasons why uh, Jesus calls himself son of man was obviously to point back to Daniel 7, but it was also a number of ways. It was One, it was to show that he has represented himself with sinful humanity, which we talk about that a lot in Matthew. And it was also uh, 
a term that did not come with a lot of the stigmas attached with other messianic terms that have been used about the one to come, who ultimately is Jesus. And so when Jesus calls himself son of man, no one is tying any political or revolutionary meaning to that. Uh, And then ultimately, being the son of man means he's going to suffer, right? There's that, that part of the reality that he's going to be the son of man. He's going to be the one who would suffer on our behalf as a uh, 100% God, 100% man. And then, like I said, he will be, according to Daniel 7 and Revelation 14, the one like the Son of Man who is going to receive all authority and all dominion. And so uh, I, I say that because that will uh, eventually we'll get into that as we see that term throughout the Gospel of Matthew. But it's just wonderful for you as a life group leader to have that little bit of that extra content there to to realize that He's calling himself Son of Man, and it's something that we can look forward to, that the Son of Man is going to have dominion and authority over all things. Uh, And this is just the first time you see that term there in the Gospel of Matthew. There's just a little extra for you guys, a little exegetical thought there. Uh, As far as uh, announcements go, we have a life group leader training on March 3rd after the 11 a.m. service, so make sure you prioritize that meeting on March 3rd after the 11 a.m. service. And remember to download Logos if you don't already have it, because we're going to do a Logos training where I can help you guys uh, and resource you guys uh, in some uh, areas of Bible study and uh, textual study and taking notes and linking your resources, among other things that may be helpful for you guys to study in a deeper way. Uh, We have our student D now coming up this week, 15th through the 18th, 6th grade through 12th grade. So if you have anybody in your group who hasn't had their kids signed up for this, I'm going to encourage you to uh, do that. But also be praying for these students that they would know Jesus and they would grow in him. Secondly, we have our uh, National Equipped Conference coming up on June the 14th through the 16th. So always be putting that in front of your your group until until June 14th. And they can find out more at equipconference.com and they can register there and get ready for our conference where the theme is, What is the Gospel?, which is a conversation that we need to have with our culture and we need to have in the city as we learn and and, uh, think about how to share the gospel with all different kinds of people. And then finally, we have our Next Steps project updated. We updated here on Sunday, and uh, you guys saw the expanded plan that we're looking to accomplish here uh, it's exciting. We can't believe that God has just been so kind to provide everything that he has so far in the life of our young church. We've currently raised $164,000, and the goal is $250,000 to uh, take our facility from 16,000 square feet to close to 24,000 square feet. And so if you do the math, I mean, that's not a lot of money for a lot more room and, and uh, capacity to minister here. And we're going to be starting this work in the near future. We're not going to wait because we don't need to wait to raise every bit of the money because we have a lot of money to get started on this project. And so be praying as we submit these plans to the city and we get this work well underway. So be considering how you're going to give, announce this to your group to and share with them how they can be praying and, uh, and giving to, so that we could accomplish what we believe is God's next step for our church. All right, Life Group leaders, so thankful for you guys. I'm praying for you, and I look forward to seeing you again next week.